Hey everyone, thanks for listening. This is PRI Talk and I am your host, Jason Bibbler. Today on the show, we're going to talk about a few of the potential challenges that lay ahead for volleyball. First, I want to dive into the conversation I had with my buddy Hugh Hernsman down at Jacksonville Skyline and about his club trip to the AAU tournament last weekend in Florida. So let's get started. Tell me, like, I guess I'm kind of curious as to the, like, before, during, after AAU. Um, sure. Like, what was, like, the buildup like and then going to it and how did you guys prep for it? What was it like there? And then kind of what, like, is there, a, I, one of the questions I had was, is there a process after? Like, are you guys, I mean, obviously y'all aren't quarantining yourselves for the next two weeks after it, but was, is there a plan to, like, test people? Because I guess, like, I kind of, AAUs was the only thing that happened in the last right. four months for volleyball, besides, like, the clinics and trainings that, that we've been able to do here in Texas. So, like, is the AAU tournament a foreshadowing of, like, what college games are going to look like, high school games are going to look like, and that kind of thing. It's kind of what I'm, what are, the, are these going to be the expectations? That's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, and I think it's, it is, it seems to me like, it's the test run, you know, and, and so leading up to it, you know, and I think as you all were, we were very careful about how we were training and, um, and, and how, how we were treating the, the training process with our athletes. We had, you know, when we first started, at least here in Jacksonville, we didn't have a lot of cases up in Duval or St. John's County. And most of the cases were, you know, Miami-Dade and South Florida. So we weren't, I mean, we were still careful, but we weren't, it wasn't, didn't feel like it was around us. Sure. Um, and we had, and then probably in the last three weeks or so, <clears throat> it's kind of been creeping up north through Orlando. And there's been, you know, people from Jacksonville that have visited Orlando and I think maybe brought it back with them. So then we were hearing more cases of like within the club, like so-and-so's brother may have it or yeah. so-and-so or uh, my dad, you know, my dad works in the police department and his squad, there's a guy that he doesn't work with specifically, but that whole squad has been quarantined for two weeks. So in those cases, we've just told the athletes to stay home yeah. and, and just to, just to play it safe. And so leading up to, we, we had, you know, we had families within the club that weren't comfortable with doing it. And, you know, and that's understandable. Everybody's at a different place with all of this. And we had some people that have, you know, have had friends either in state or out of state that have had it. And so they, it spooks them obviously a little bit more probably than, than the rest of us. But, uh, but yeah, so we had, you know, we probably had four, five, six, you know, that didn't go within the club because of it. Sure. Um, so we were, it was, it was, you know, we weren't sure what to expect. We, we were nervous about <clears throat> making the wrong decision um, for our athletes because ultimately that's our job is to do what's best for them and, you know, protect them to some degree. You know, it's like a second level of parenting to some you know, in some sense. Sure. So we didn't want to make the wrong call, but we really felt like, you know, we, we gave people a very, they weren't comfortable and we were very understanding and didn't, you know, harm them within our club. Um, 
but going into it, it was, we weren't sure what to expect. And um, I would say that when we arrived there and we were walking into that building, almost instantly, a lot of those fears were alleviated. There was so much, I've never seen that, that convention center feel so empty. Yeah, um, they had sixty, I think sixty some courts going, but it was the four um, sections of of that main convention area that they always do it in. Okay, and it was very very well spaced out. The screening process going in was very deliberate. Um, you know, they they even they, the policy. You know, and I don't know if everybody was aware of kind of people that didn't go. But essentially, you had you had a group of you could have five people that were on your staff. So that would be like you put your main coaches on there, and then maybe your directors, or you know, maybe their spouse or somebody. And then you had your players, and then you had chaperones. And each team got ten chaperones, and that mainly worked out um, to you know essentially being one parent per athlete. And for us, on some of those teams, like parents had to rotate those spots and um but you know everybody like the the policy was if anybody within a group you know so like for some of our teams we had 28 people all in one all in one some we had like 23 and if anybody came when they came through the screening and they had a fever the whole team was disqualified for the day and wow. they had to go and and so they were very you said you said some parents would like alternate so did you have like cards that you could maybe just like switch from people or was it names on a roster like how they do that part it was names on a roster and so everybody's name was on the roster and so essentially they wouldn't let anybody into the building until they went through their screening so we would all gather kind of on that north end um, where the drop-off is um, and and they would get you together as a team you would be in roster order so it lists coaches, players, then chaperones, and they go through and they they take your temperature, um, and then they would call off the names and and who they they'd say so if we had like say thirteen chaperones they'd call them off and say yep so and so is not here so and so is not here she's here she's here they give you wristbands and once you got a wristband you were kind of through the screening and then they let you inside the building. And chairs i don't know if you saw pictures of it the chairs were i didn't i didn't see any pictures oh uh, okay i i could even send you some of the stuff that you know some of the pictures that we took but the, the chairs were like have you seen the the bench seating for um for like the nba bubble that they're doing it's very similar it's the chairs were first for the fans at least or the chaperones which ended up being were six feet apart they'd have to go three deep and kind of staggered and um they were very adamant about masks the officials were somewhat policing um each of those courts not just with the players uh and the coaches but also with the spectators so if they would see that spectators didn't have their masks on or if their players like officiating team officiating crew or just the team that was you know off they would you know if those if those girls were sitting there and chatting and you know, they'd stop playing. They'd stop playing. They'd tell them to put their mask on. And really, okay. it, yeah, it, it felt. I mean, 
it kind of felt a little big brothery, but I understand why, you know, it made sense. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, there's, there's, and clearly there's a lot of talk amongst a lot of people about, about this tournament and people had very, very strong opinions on it. Um, you know, I followed on that Facebook coaches and trainers page. There's a, a couple threads in there that I just kind of, you know, read through just to see what people were thinking and what the latest thing was about it. And some people said, you're crazy. I would never let my daughter go there. And I will tell you from my personal experience, I felt more safe there than I would going to the grocery store or yeah. going to a convenience store and going inside to pay for gas and grab a couple things. Um, I, I was way further away from general population. Now I think the concern, which I think is legitimate is the athletes without masks and they're breathing hard and they're in close proximity. Um, and I think within the team, I, I don't think it's an issue because these players have been training together for the last, you know, for some of us, two months almost. And, and so I think, you know, that's almost like a small extended family, but I think the concern was, you know, other teams and, and, and kind of across the net type of thing. So that does make sense. And I guess we won't really know until, you know, a week or two from now to see if there's anything, but there's, there was no tracing done to, you know, to kind of track the numbers or the data. Um, but it was, you know, I, I was, surprise and then going in i felt pretty good about it a little apprehensive but i was surprised at how comfortable i felt once i got in there i think they did an excellent job it was it was great it was a great experience for us um it, it, you get used to the mask as a coach like that was one of the things that was kind of difficult so like you pull down the mask to give instructions and pull it up i don't know if that's the right way to do it because uh, you're yelling out instructions here <laughs> Yes, bring your coat to place, but um, but I mean it, it was it was challenging. There were times that I would try to to coach through a mask, and like I'd have a player just look at me like I can't hear you. I, I can't understand you either. Yeah, <laughs> right. Which might actually be for the best sometimes. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it was it was it was a good experience. Our girls they they really enjoyed being able to play again. Like that was. The, I think a lot of people don't realize um, that aren't actively playing and in that age group, yeah. how much these girls missed competing. And sure. so that was that was a lot of the feedback I got from the parents. And, you know, our teams went and they competed well, but, you know, we weren't, you know, we weren't in any kind of contention to win, you know, where we were at and, and whatnot. But uh, the the reaction from the parents was, Number one, we saw our players get better over you know, the post-COVID. You know, the training worked, and, and we saw them play at a different level. And more importantly, we saw them having fun again, and they've needed this distraction. I think we forget sometimes how difficult it has been on, on these young athletes, too. This, is, this has been their outlet for so long, and they've been kind of deprived of it to some degree. And so it was, it was, uh, it was a great experience. We really we were glad we did it. What did uh what did they do with the balls? They brought a new sanitized ball to the court before every match. Okay. Uh, and the instructions when the ball would kind of go off the court was for one of the players to go get it. And here's here's something that I, I it hit me when I walked into the gym is 
if you hit a ball hard and it either gets dug into a bad place or to the floor and not into one of the um, separated chairs, that ball goes for a while. There's there's no netting. There's no other courts. Yeah. There's no there's no massive amounts of, of spectators that are going to stop it and throw it back. Like there were times where you would have about a one minute delay between points just because you had one kid running halfway across that quadrant of the, yeah. <laughs> the convention center to get uh, to, to get the ball. Will definitely be interesting to see because I mean you know I'm sure you follow all the different conferences like the the conferences on the East Coast that have already canceled fall seasons and mm -hmm. uh, the more coaches I talk to the more it sounds like they're trying to push the fall season back to the spring which I think is a terrible idea. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens this fall um, and you know like and just going forward like next spring with club season if we see like what happened to AAUs be kind of the normal. Like, you know, I mean, we're, we're, I'm kind of at, at, um, triple crown next year. Like our coach is going to be allowed, like, are there going to be college coaches there? Or is it going to be right. limited spectators and to family and chaperones and, and what that's going to look like and how that impacts recruiting. And, you know, that's, right. that's my angle is what I'm thinking about, but, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how kind of this all goes, but I'm, I'm glad AAUs went well. Yeah. From looking on Instagram, from some of the teams that I've seen, like post pictures of them winning and getting second and stuff like that, it seemed like everyone had a good overall experience. And and hopefully the the aftermath of the positive test doesn't doesn't hit you know hit that in a negative negative light. Hopefully they what they did they did it well and and keep everybody safe. So I think they did everything that you can do and that you would do if you were a a restaurant owner or a or, or a Coles or, you know, whatever. I think you can only do so much and um, you have to decide on whether or not you want to continue moving on or if you need to kind of be a little bit more safe and everybody's call is different because everybody's situation is different. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think, I don't, I don't feel like their precautions were any less. In fact, they're probably more than a lot of other public spaces. Um, and we, we literally had to walk we had to enter through the north entrance and we had to exit through the south like you you weren't crossing people as they were coming in and you were leaving so there's there's a lot of very limited exposure okay so i do want to talk uh just a little bit in the time we have left here um and talk about some of the challenges <clears throat> that are gonna uh lay ahead i think um for the sport of volleyball as we go forward <clears throat> really at all levels division one division two um you know potentially division three i think in some ways um but what are some of those challenges that lay ahead uh, the first one um and, and maybe not the biggest one but the first one is scholarships how are scholarships gonna look going forward um if you spend any time listening to me or on my seminars we we already know that uh not every single Division One school is fully funded. Um, we go through a whole <clears throat> we go through a whole um, seminar uh, just on understanding how scholarships work and how many are are actually available in each class. Um, we already know that schools aren't fully funded at Division One level, um, and so is something like this, um, the you know coronavirus and, and seasons being canceled and and that kind of thing, or or seasons even being pushed back. 
is that going to have an impact on scholarships? I've talked to several coaches, um, you know, that have said, Jason, I don't, uh, I'm hoping that I have a budget this fall in 2020, um, you know, to, to, to make what I need to happen happen, but I don't know what next year is going to look like. So I have, I have a hard time, um, you know, finishing up some of these offers or, or making some final offers with some kids in the 21 class. If I don't even know how many scholarships I'm going to have. So, <clears throat> so that's definitely going to be a potential issue moving forward. I think, um, I spoke with one coach, uh, and she had already said that this was a part of their process moving forward, um, that they need to have a smaller roster size, um, a smaller roster size, potentially even a smaller travel size, um, to help, uh, with, uh, just overall budgets. So smaller roster size means less equipment, um, less, uh, fewer athletes on the travel team, you know, less in hotels, less in food, you know, all those kind of things all, you know, it's, you make a little bit of a, a change here and it can, it can have some kind of a big impact on your scholarship or, or not your scholarship, but your budget. Um, it can make a, a bigger impact on your budget. So, so looking at smaller roster sizes and again, just going back to scholarships, you know, I did a, a whole blog post on um, playing in the power five and what are your chances of playing the power five and the percentages are, are really, really small and now if you're talking about potentially, again, <clears throat> making some of these roster sizes even smaller, um, then, then, I mean, that makes playing Division One, Division Two, uh, it makes it even more challenging um, for those athletes that are trying to play at those levels. Um, uh, challenge num- number three, uh, fewer coaches. Um, I spoke to several coaches bef- prior to June 15th um, contact date that had uh, already been furloughed. Um, by their schools, uh, and obviously that that piece of it isn't getting a, a ton of press or or um, attention right now. But you know, for these for these schools that are um, uh, canceling their fall season or pushing back their fall season to the spring, um, you know, wh- why do you need a full? Uh, I'm sure there's lots of ads and presidents asking the question, why do you need a full staff? Um, if we don't even have kids on campus and we don't even have uh, our entire roster on campus, you know, whatever the, the question is. Um, but I think you could potentially see um, uh, some smaller uh, staff sizes at, at some of these smaller schools that are trying to cut budgets. Um, I think with, with everything going on, we could see a lot more regional recruiting. Um, we've already kind of seen a little bit of a move to that, not a ton, but, de- but definitely a little bit. Uh, with some of the new recruiting rules. Um, but, you know, if you've got fewer coaches and smaller roster size, then, you know, you are potentially looking at um, some more athletes that are closer to your region or within, you know, the states that your conference plays and things like that. Um, and and just travel-wise, you know, if you have smaller budgets, um, then that's going to make an impact on recruiting. And these coaches aren't going to be able to travel um, to, to some of the big qualifiers or, or things like that. So, um, I definitely think that that is, um, a challenge and, and things like that. Um, timelines definitely shifting in the later direction. Um, I, for right now, for sure. Uh, obviously there, there's been, you know, a number of 2022 athletes committed already. Um, and, and we'll see more here in the next few months, month, uh, next few months, I would imagine. Um, as maybe some of these deadlines that coaches have put athletes under um, uh, end up. But 
Um, you know, I think timelines are definitely shifting in the later direction, at least for this 22 class, um, you know, without, without being able to be on campus this fall, potentially, um, and no season this fall and, and just coaches, you know, we're going to wait. That's what I hear <laughs> quite a few, uh, coaches tell me, we're just going to wait till spring. We're just going to wait till club season. And that's kind of what they're doing. And, um, they feel like they can find the kids in that time frame that they need. And so that's what they're going to do. Um, you know, w- with all this shifting of seasons and things like that, what, what is it going to look like for programs to play a spring season potentially and recruit at the same time? I had one coach tell me flat out, she said, I probably just won't even travel with our team in the spring. I'll just be recruiting the entire time. Um, you know, what is that going to look like for these programs? How is that going to impact, um, recruiting, um, so, so there's, there's definitely some challenges that I think lay ahead, um, in particular for the 2022 class, um, some in the 2021 class for those athletes that are un- uncommitted, um, right now, but definitely in the 2022 class, um, it's, it's going to be a kind of consistent adjustment to, w- with everything that's happened. Um, so, and I don't bring up all those things to, to, to be negative or, or anything like that. I'm not trying to be uh, to scare anyone. I just, I think the the discussion, you know, needs to be happening and needs to be occurring about what, what this is realistically going to look like. Um, and if you know me at all and, and read my blog post yesterday, you know, I'm not a fan of waiting. Um, I, I don't, I don't encourage anyone to just ever sit and wait. Um, and, and I know, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of people that do that on, on both sides. Um, but, but I still think the more proactive that we are in this process, the more it puts you um, at the forefront of a uh, coach's mind. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm not I'm still even with all these challenges and, and pushing timelines, I'm still a fan and still an advocate for being proactive uh, in the recruiting process and really taking the initiative and um, getting out there and getting in front of college coaches because that's how that's how you get recruited. That's how you get noticed. Um, so definitely some things to talk about, definitely some things to, um, to, to watch and kind of see how things unfold here in the next, next few months. Um, but that's it. Uh, thanks again, guys, for listening. Thanks to my buddy Hugh for joining me on the podcast. Uh, hopefully you found, found what he was kind of talking about uh, insightful um, about the AAU tournament uh, down in Florida. So thanks again for listening, and I'll um, see you guys next week. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you have found this podcast interesting, helpful, or beneficial, or you're just a huge fan of myself, then please think about donating to the PRI Talk podcast. I would love to continue bringing you recruiting advice, as well as information on current volleyball events, and your support can definitely help make that happen. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you would like more tips, updates, or recruiting assistance, go to my website, privolleyball.com, check out my blog, or reach out to me directly if you have any other questions. You can also find me on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Parallel Recruiting Initiative. If you need specific recruiting help, I have a couple different ways I can help you. Please reach out to me on my website or social media. Thanks for listening.